Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Thank you for joining me online today. My name is Micah, and I'm one of the pastors at the Vine Church in Pasco, Washington. So let me ask you this question. You've probably thought about it or talked about it before, but if you could go back in history and witness any person, walk with any person that you wanted, who would that be? There's a lot of uh, famous and amazing character it, characters in world history that I would like to meet, but um, I'm going to go with the really cliche answer today, uh, Jesus. That's all, Jesus is always the right answer, right? We learned that in Sunday school. No, though it's cliche for a pastor to say, yeah, I would want to go and meet Jesus, I think it's also quite justified. I have, after all, devoted my life to the way of Jesus and his kingdom and church planting and all of these things. I think it would be fascinating and beautiful, just an incredible experience to get to walk with him from town to town, to hear his teachings, to see his passion, to experience his compassion for people and the ways that he interacted in this world, to witness the miracles firsthand, to get to go back and experience that would be phenomenal. Now, I've had many experiences with Jesus and the Holy Spirit in my life that have led me to the place that I'm at now. But an eyewitness, well, that's a different sort of experience. Today, um, we're going to begin a series in the book of 1 John, and we're going to look at this book um, written by John, and we're going to break it out over the next number of weeks and, and spend time really digging into the message that John had. And this last week, I spent quite a bit of time studying, you know, the historical background, the context in which this letter is written, and all of those sorts of things, and I realized in my study we were missing a vital aspect if we started with an introduction in First John. So the ironic thing today is we're not going to read about First John or really even talk about the book of First John much at all. However, this will be an introduction to the author of that book, a man named John who walked with Jesus. You know, I think it's really easy as we read the New Testament, specifically the letters, um, to read them in just a really simple manner. It, it means what it means, right? And to not take some of the uh, context and um, uh, some of the linguistics and all these other things into consideration. I think it's also easy to read these New Testament letters as like a rule book written for us, but these texts are so much richer than that. They were written by specific people to specific churches and people for very specific reasons then and there in the first century in Israel and the surrounding region. And so as as part of the pursuit of going a little bit deeper in this letter, I want to take time to introduce ourselves to the author of the book of First John. His name was John, as you could imagine, and he was one of Jesus' 12 closest friends. Uh, you know, um, John walked with Jesus for years of his life, and after Jesus' death, he dedicated his life to sharing with people that Jesus was the Messiah and that he rose from the dead. You know, I have some really good friends in life. Um, uh, some of you are good friends of mine. Um, but one thing's for sure. When you pass on from this life, uh, I won't be making any claims about your divinity, uh, nor do I hope anyone would ever make any claims about mine. It clearly does not exist. But John's interaction with Jesus convinced him that this was God walking on earth in human form. 
Now we have four primary sources that we'll draw from today. Uh, they're called the Gospels. They're the first four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these four books tell the story of Jesus. And what we're going to look at today is specifically John's interactions with Jesus. What what did it, what was his experience like with this man, Jesus? Now, uh, the fourth of those four Gospels, John, is written by this same man, John, one of the 12 apostles. And what's interesting is the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called the Synoptic Gospels. We believe that Mark wrote the first and the other two uh, were written maybe with his source. Um, at any rate, John is not one of the three Synoptic Gospels because it tells the story of Jesus in a unique way, in, in a different way from the other three. Now, there's many parallels and I don't have any conflict with it. However, John writes a little bit of a different story. It, it plays out a little bit differently. And I wonder if a lot of that is because he walked with Jesus. He, he had a different experience. And so he wrote telling the story of his time with Jesus. John was the last book, the, uh, the last of the Gospels that was written, and likely he was trying to combat some of the misinformation and, and things being told about Jesus. Uh, it was later in his life, and therefore uh, a good share of the people that had walked with Jesus had passed on at this point. And so John is writing this Gospel account uh, to tell us his experience with a man named Jesus so we'll begin our story of John's interaction with Jesus in a text found in Matthew chapter 4, verse 21, and it's John's first interaction with Jesus. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So here we have the story of John first meeting Jesus. He was working in his family trade. He was apprenticing to take over his father's fishing business, and at this point, day in and day out, fishing with his brother and his father. And this man named Jesus comes walking down the shore, and he got, he's got a couple guys in tow with him. There's maybe three of them there. And he calls out to John and his brother James and says, come and follow me. And they drop everything. They walk away from the family business and all the stability and whatever else is going on in life to follow this man, Jesus. And it's kind of a curious moment. Why in the world would someone drop everything to follow Jesus? Well, a little bit of context and understanding of Israelite culture is important here. So Jesus, at 30 years old, took on the role of a rabbi as he began calling these disciples to follow him. Now, rabbis were revered people in the first century and highly, highly respected. In fact, so much so that those that went through the full schooling that was available to young people, the best and the brightest that made it all the way through, which, by the way, none of these apostles would have been as they were back home and fishing and not apprenticing to become rabbis themselves. They're home working the family business. And a rabbi comes to them and says, come and be my disciple. 
come and walk. And it was the pursuit of every disciple to know what their rabbi knows, to do the things that their rabbi did, they would follow. There was this saying in the first century, um, may that may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi as like a statement of blessing used to people. And, and it referred to this idea of a disciple just following in their rabbi's footsteps. This was one of the highest callings someone could be invited to in the first century. And so this man, John, formerly a fisherman, begins to follow Jesus and quickly realizes this is something remarkable. He saw miracles. Uh, he, he saw um, a man unable to walk since birth lifted to his feet and then leaping and dancing and celebrating in the temples. He saw Jesus feed thousands of people multiple times with little food, miraculous things happening. And John, all the while watching, who is this man and what is happening in my experience, in my lifetime? What am I witnessing with my very own eyes? And he listened as Jesus taught. They would be walking from town to town and Jesus would see a fig tree and he'd say, the kingdom of heaven is like, or kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Jesus, just walking down the road, would be drawing illustrations and explaining to them the things of God and the kingdom of heaven as they would walk from town to town. And eventually they'd get to those towns and in those towns, it would stir up the Pharisees and the religious leaders and there was persecution and risk in this journey. And yet Jesus had an important message that he was sharing. John would have been there when Jesus on a mountainside spoke to thousands of marginalized and hurting people. And he said, hey, know that there is blessing in the kingdom of God for you. John witnessed Jesus' miracles and his teachings. He walked with Jesus. Now we're told in a number of places that John was in kind of the inner circle. There was 12 apostles, Jesus' closest followers, and there was within that group an inner circle of Peter, James, and John. So the two brothers and Peter seemed to be kind of the closest to Jesus. And that's witnessed in a number of different ways. In fact, we'll look at one in just a minute. Now, um, Jesus uh, called James and John. He had nicknames for some of the people in the group. And we get to read about that in Mark chapter 3. And the name that he had for uh, James and John, these two brothers, was Sons of Thunder. And we don't know exactly why. The author uh, doesn't go on to explain why that was John and James's nickname. However, Sons of Thunder, many think that maybe it had to do with a fiery personality uh, with a, a lot of spunk. Sons of Thunder. There is one story found in Luke chapter 9 that maybe gives us a little in, insight into why John would have this nickname. In this story, um, they go to a Samaritan town, and that town re rejects the apostles and Jesus. And they're talking to Jesus, and they ask him, so should we call down fire on the town? <laughs> Jesus is like, no. Should we call down fire on the town? That's John's question to Jesus in this moment. I, I met a guy with, um, or I saw a guy with maybe that similar fiery um, sons of thunder sort of uh, personality here a couple weeks ago. Let me break out from the story of John for just a moment to tell you this story. Uh, my daughter and I got a kick out of it. We were up snowboarding at Bluewood, and for the first time this year, they had the uh, snowboard terrain park open that has some tabletop jumps and things like that in it. 
and you ride up the lift and the jump, uh, one of the primary jumps is right underneath the lift. So you get to watch people and most people were pretty hesitant. It was icy, really pretty bad conditions to be doing anything like that on. But as we're riding up the lift one of the times, uh, there's this guy on skis um, who, well, he was just engaging it differently than anyone else. Uh, he had his GoPro camera held out in front of him, filming him as he goes down this hill. And whereas most people were kind of uh, curbing their speed until they get close and then hitting the jump, from the very top of the hill, he pointed his skis straight down and he took off with his GoPro camera in front of him, filming him. And what really caught my attention and I thought was hilarious was uh, halfway down the hill, he takes this big chug from a Red Bull can. He's got like his energy drink with him. I don't know. What's he filming for? Is this some sort of advertisement? At any rate, here he goes with his GoPro camera and his uh, Red Bull can with all the confidence in the world bombing straight for this tabletop jump. And I thought, wow, this guy must know what he's doing. Until the moment he got off the jump and his legs start flying around in the air. He, he didn't have it down. Uh, and as he comes toward the, the ground, maybe miraculous, I, I don't know, he manages to get his legs back in to touch down. However, the tips of his skis are pointed out. And I don't know if you know what this means. It means groin injury. It means his skis go wide and he is in some real trouble. It, it was kind of one of those moments. Should we call down fire? Here he is chugging Red Bull and bombing down the hill towards this jump. And sometimes... You can get yourself into trouble. I, I don't know. We don't know much about John's personality, but we catch a couple glimpses of him doing unique or asking unique questions. He was seems to be an impulsive. He was one of the younger of the group as well. Now, uh, in addition to uh, this moment where he says, should we call down fire? And Jesus says, no. Uh, there's a number of other times in scripture that we see Jesus correcting or rebuking John. And in no way does this discredit John as a witness and an author in the New Testament or of this gospel account. In fact, I think it heightens his claim to authority in that he walked so closely with Jesus that he received direct instruction from Jesus. Uh, there's this one story that's found in Mark chapter 10 and Matthew chapter 20, both tell this story. Um, and it's John asking Jesus, hey, John and James asking, hey, in this new kingdom that you're establishing, Jesus is talking constantly about the kingdom of heaven. They ask, can we sit at your right and left hand? Can we play those central roles as you become king and sit on the throne of Israel? Jesus explains to him, you have misunderstood what my kingdom is all about, John, if if that's where you want to be. And in fact, Jesus, John would become a central figure in the church and in the kingdom of God. But that's for future weeks and further conversation. Late in Jesus' life, shortly before he would be crucified, he's sitting at um, a meal, uh, the Passover meal with his closest followers, the 12. And apparently John was seated next to Jesus in that closest position. At one point, he's encouraged to lean in to ask Jesus a specific question about who it was that would betray him later on that night and in the days to come. 
After Jesus was arrested, John was one of the two that went and approached this trial that was taking place as Jesus was unjustly tried. It appears John might have been the only disciple actually at the crucifixion. And there's this beautiful moment in John chapter 19, verse 26, where he describes Jesus turning to him and his mother and entrusting uh, Jesus, entrusting his mother, Mary, into the care of John as he'll no longer be there for him. So John played a very central role in the life of Jesus. And in fact, in John's own telling of the resurrection account found in John chapter 20, he tells of being one of the first, again, in this central position in the ministry of Jesus. In John 20, verse 1, it says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, uh, the one Jesus loved. Now, let me just pause real briefly. Throughout the Gospel of John, the author refers to this um, disciple whom Jesus loved, and it's believed and understood by most that this is John writing about himself. This is the title he's chosen for himself, the one that Jesus loved. And um, so uh, uh, they, uh, she, Mary comes to them and says, um, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I love this. Assuming that John is the author of this gospel and speaking of himself, they get news. The tomb is empty. What in the world is happening? And he clarifies. And I was the first one there because I can beat Peter in a foot race. I love this moment. Now, after Jesus' ascension and the beginning of the first century church, John will become a central figure. In fact, it's John and Peter that will carry on. Remember, Jesus' inner circle was Peter, James, and John. But shortly after uh, the ascension or sometime in the early church, uh, John's brother, James, is killed by Rome as well, uh, one of the first martyrs. Um, in fact, all, in fact, 11 of the 12 disciples will be martyred, and John is the one that lives to old age and dies of natural causes. At any rate, Peter and John become central figures in the first century church. Earlier I mentioned um, him, uh, we talked about like, who would you want to go and witness and experience if you had the opportunity? And I can only imagine what it would be like to be in John's position, to have witnessed and experienced all these things of Jesus. He is an expert source at all things Jesus and the kingdom of heaven. Because he got to walk with Jesus, because he got to witness the miracles, hear the teachings, learn from the posture of Jesus amongst people in Israelite culture. John was a witness of Jesus, God in human form who lived, who loved, who died and who rose again. I wanted to set up this um, series in 1 John in this way because I think it's important to understand that John was a man that walked with God, that walked with Jesus. It, it lends authority, credibility to the things that he says to us as we continue in this study. Here's what I want to challenge us to in this week ahead. I want to give us time to each kind of ruminate in the book of 1 John before then we get into 
dissecting and detailing all of the things in there. So I want to challenge you in the week ahead, will you take some quiet time multiple days in the week, sit down and read the book of 1 John. It'll take you 15 minutes at the most, maybe, to, to sit down and, and just read all the way through in one sitting. Okay, And do that a few times. Listen for the words that stand out. Observe the things that catch your attention. Are, are there things that are repeated over and over throughout the book? These are going to be important themes that we'll be digging, digging into. I'd encourage you, give yourself this opportunity to hear directly from John, not from me, but to hear from John what it looks like to walk in the way of Jesus. We'll dig in further together in the weeks to come. I want to close out today with this text in um, the Gospel of John, John chapter 20, verse 31. And it says he's concluding his story of who Jesus was and his experiences with Jesus. John says this in uh, verse 30, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is a story that John tells, and he dedicates the rest of his life to telling this story. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. This is a really hard claim for someone to make of someone that they witnessed. I mean, Anyone that walks close enough with me sees enough of my flaws to know very clearly that I don't get any of these sorts of divinity claims, right? But John, who walked with Jesus, dedicated his life, he wrote these books, and he led in the first century church that people would come to know, that people would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. John has a lot to teach us. I encourage you to spend some time this week reading the account, uh, the epistle, the letter of First John, and we'll dig into it in more details in the weeks to come. As we close out today, let me pray for us. God, we thank you for this time and this opportunity. Uh, we thank you, God, for eyewitnesses like John who tell their story of their interaction with you, with Jesus. Spirit, we invite you to uh, lead us this week as we read in First John and as we begin to explore a book that some of us don't have a lot of experience with. I pray, God, that you will give us insight. Give us passion to listen, to still our minds and ourselves and listen. Spirit, we invite you to lead us as we study, as we read, as we spend time in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you have a blessed week. See you soon. Bye.